Well, hello and welcome to Virtual Team Dynamics, the All Fire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at All Fire. At All Fire, we specialise in helping organisations get the most from their virtual teams through understanding how team members interact. This is episode number 32, and today we are going to be discussing how uh, engineering projects go about setting up their virtual teams. So this is, a, a, I guess, an industry-specific podcast rather than a generic podcast, which is what most of our articles tend to be. Um, that said, a lot of the findings and a lot of the information from this particular article will still be very relevant for most other industries. As with all of our podcasts, there's an accompanying blog article on the Ulfire website, so please do go on over and uh, take a look at the articles. Um, feel free while you're there to check out some of the other pieces that we've written, subscribe for our newsletter if you're interested, and, uh, and keep in touch with us. So virtual teams in engineering projects, these are um, quite an interesting space to become involved in and it's one of the areas where our specialist uh, research has, has really heavily focused. Engineering projects were one of the earliest and largest adopters of the use of virtual teams. Now this is probably a result of the uh, of the scale and the and the just general perspective of most of the people that work on these projects they're very technically focused they tend to work on very large projects that often require teams with skills that are not necessarily readily available in the one location um so it was quite natural in many ways that engineering businesses would be would be very quick to jump on board with all of this technology Companies like Boeing, Airbus and Shell, among others, have been have been using distributed teams for a very long time. Um, the the overall use of these teams, however, has has um, escalated enormously in the last ten to fifteen years as as internet enabling technologies have really taken off and it's become easier and easier for large teams scattered around either around a city, around a country or around around the globe have uh, have been able to have easier communications and it's become easier and easier to share data across across the distributed network rather than trying to share things by by emailing documents and by emailing files and so forth and with the aid of these virtual teams the projects have have become larger and larger but the pressures to deliver these projects on time has not changed so there's still an expectation that the jobs will be done on time, they'll be done to the agreed budget, the quality will be right and so forth. Now one of the big problems that we've found through our research with engineering projects particularly, in fact largely with, with technology-driven organisations, regardless of whether they're engineering organisations or whether they are, let's say, IT or whether whatever the industry is that they're focused in, there tends to be a very, very high focus on the technology and much less of a focus on the actual 
people themselves who were going to be using that technology and who were going to be working on their projects. Um, now, this, what this, how this tends to manifest within big engineering projects is there will be an enormous focus during the estimating phases and during the planning phases on the technology. People will spend huge amounts of time working out what the server architecture is going to be, what brand and and how many video conference suites are going to be installed, um, who will have access to particular kinds of technology, whether webcams will be enabled on the desks of individuals and so forth. Once those sorts of decisions have been made, the next thing that people tend to focus on is is determining the the 3D modelling packages that are going to be used, working out technical standards, putting practices in place, even things like putting travel policies in place for people so that they can so they can preordain what the cost base is going to be for travel within a project, who gets to travel, when, where, for how long what kinds of hotel accommodation, what their class of travel and so forth will be. Often then the the schedule will be determined, the, uh, the, the labour numbers, the numbers of people required to do the work, both on a discipline by discipline and generally across the project, will also be worked out. And it's only really at this point that many of these projects will start to look at actually where that work is going to be done. So they'll they'll go through this whole process of saying, okay, we need X numbers of hundreds of people, we need so many of these to be this type of engineer, that type of an engineer. But they won't necessarily think about geographically where these people are going to be based until the very um until the end of the estimating process. Then they'll go back, they'll say, Okay, we're going to have let's say a third of our workforce is going to be based away from our head office and that from that one third we have already got people in this location and that location who have the skills that we need so we'll use them and that then lets them then feed in the salary rates and so forth for these people but what it still doesn't do is it doesn't think about how the interpersonal skills and the communication skills of these people will be will be brought to bear on the project even whether those are the right skills and whether those people while they may have the right technical skills people rarely will consider how they're going to help the people with those technical skills become the right kinds of communicators for the project and and to fit what the project needs. Um, They will also often just look at people and say, oh yes, okay, these people are all, let's say, mechanical engineers. And and an assumption then is made that all mechanical engineers within the organisation are the same. Therefore, you can send half your mechanical engineering to one location and the other half to another. It doesn't always work because individuals each will have their own backgrounds, their own experience base and their own particular skills. And those particular skills are not necessarily all the same scattered across the entire group. So the, the big gap there in this whole planning process is to actually sit down and think okay we're going to do it like this but are our processes in place correct to to support us working as a virtual team do we have the right training in place for our people to learn to be the best communicators they can be do we have processes in place that will help these people communicate effectively and do we have the right managers? Do we have the right people with the right management styles to lead a project of this nature? 
So the second half of the article that we have um, talking about this on the website talks about the role of the people. And these people are, ultimately, it's the people that do the work. Now, there was some work undertaken by the Project Management Institute, by PMI, uh, a couple of years ago in 2013. That work showed that, from their research, projects where they had highly effective communicators had a a nominal result of around about 40% of the projects being successful. Now, that might not sound particularly good when you think it's four out of every five projects are successful, therefore one out of every five is going to be unsuccessful. The contrast, however, is that where the people on the projects were regarded as minimally effective communicators, that success rate dropped dramatically to 50%. So every second project would be considered as being unsuccessful against the project delivery criteria where the people doing the doing the project were classed as being minimally effective communicators. Um, now that, when you're talking about the scale of some of these major engineering endeavours that happen around the world, that's a huge impact on projects. The, the the risk and the exposure on a project of, 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 of global scale, if you've got 50% of those projects being unsuccessful, is a huge um, exposure for your business. So there's a real gap, we believe, between what people have and how they're chosen for these projects from a technical perspective and where their interpersonal and human skills fit and their ability to actually support the project from a from a communications perspective. There is a real need there for people to be highly effective communicators as well as being highly effective technical personnel. So they need you need people on the projects who are very good at delivering the technical work that they're engaged to do. But you also need at least some people within each of those teams who are effective communicators and whose job is to maintain the communication chains between one office and another. And against that, you need an organisation where everything is set up to support those people and to support that project working virtually. So you need modern managers who are able to lead these projects and endeavours. You need empowered local workforce and you need communications that are really, really going to support the endeavours and to set the project up in a proper way. And you need to be able to train the people who need to be these effective communicators all the way through their careers. It's not just a case of go on a training course, you come back from the course and you're all set. It's an ongoing need for people to continually be honing their communication skills to become better and better communicators and more and more effective team members. So hopefully this article and this podcast have been of interest. Um, it's an area that uh, that we believe very strongly in at All Fire needs to be needs to be addressed by businesses of all different scales and in all different forms. Um, we've chosen to talk specifically about engineering here, but clearly it's it's not an engineering specific issue. The ability to have effective communicators across an organisation working virtually goes without saying, and it really sits to every organisation to become better at what they do. So we look forward to any feedback and comments that you may have on this. And again, please do feel free to check us out. The website address is www.ulfire.com.au. And while you're there, please feel free to check out the podcasts.
subscribe to our feeds and we look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Thank you. <laughs>